welcome to Shop Talk, the real estate show. I'm John Forche, and today my guest is Michael McAllister, founder and co-CEO of The CE Shop. Founded in 2005, The CE Shop is the industry-leading provider of online real estate education with courses in all 50 states and D.C. Hey, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... I thought we'd start just by talking a little bit about your background. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Sure, sure. Not a licensed um, practitioner in the field, you'd say, but have been licensed since I was 18. I was actually the youngest real estate licensed broker um, in the state of Colorado back in the day. That's that was, awesome. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But really just rooted in the real estate industry, my whole family has. So my mom raised three of us as a single parent here in Denver. And that was the way in which she supported us all the way through our childhood. So as soon as I was really safe enough to you know walk the neighborhood and put flyers on doors and run signs around, um, we were doing so. Um, that was back in the 80s. And really became a family business. So understood it, uh, really appreciated it, saw the entrepreneurial aspects of it. And then um, upon going to college, I had a finance degree for the University of Colorado in Boulder. Go Buffs. Love the Buffs. <laughs> and was really interested in technology. So got involved in technology startup companies um, pretty much right out of the chute and learned a ton, learned a ton. Always knew that I you know, wanted to do something on my own, but also knew that I had a lot to learn, had a lot to learn. I was fortunate to learn from some really great entrepreneurs in the technology space um, here in Denver and wow. in North Dakota. I moved to North Dakota kind of mid-early career and met some fantastic people there as well. Hmm. So what was the draw of real estate? I mean, starting out, it sounds like you were raised sort of in that world, but what inspired you to stay in that world? You know, real estate is, from a macroeconomic perspective, certainly in the United States, a really powerful force. It's an indicator, a leading indicator of a lot of things to the overall economic health of our of our country. And it's very foundational, I believe, to um, communities and the impact and health of a community. So, you know, having grown up in it, it's a little bit like the... Um, you know, the, the shopkeepers kids, like when you grow up in an industry, it sort of gets ingrained in you early on and you enjoy it. I've always been fascinated by it. My mom would say that when I was a kid, I used to draw, I always just draw houses. Like I would draw floor plans. And so it was either probably a career in architecture or technology, but something around real estate was always something that I loved. Um, the connection for me was that You know, technology was really, really powerful, but there were major gaps as it came to the, as it uh, related to the real estate industry regarding technology. Now, since we started the business, which was back in 2005, there's been a lot of advancements in technology relative to the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. A lot of really cool technology applied to the transaction itself and all kinds of consumer data that's out there. But generally, the real estate industry kind of lags behind. As, it, as yeah. it relates to technology, and certainly real estate education did, which was really where I saw an opportunity to come in and disrupt and transform what hap- what happens within real estate education. Because I've always been a big fan of, of education as well. I was never a superstar student, honestly. I loved school because of the the social aspects of it, and again the community aspects of it. 
uh, always fascinated by learning. Um, and so the ability to blend together real estate and technology and education to me in starting the CE shop was really the trifecta of kind of all the things that I loved, which yeah. I think, I think our career should be that. I think our career should be a mix, a melting pot of all the things that we love because then it's not quote work. It's really just an extension of your life, which makes it that much more satisfying. And I do believe that as business people and as professionals and as human beings, if we're really well aligned with what we'd love to do and what we'd love with our work, you're just that much more successful. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're not pushing uphill, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you actually have the momentum of what you're here to do working in your favor. Yeah. Hmm. Which is fun. So how did you get into entrepreneurship? You said it sort of arose from different tech contacts you had made in school. Well, I think it was probably my roots. You know, my my mother, having raised three of us as a single parent in the real estate industry, I mean, that's as entrepreneur, that's as, as much of an entrepreneur as it gets. I, I often talk to the team here at the CE shop about how a career in real estate is one of the true last entrepreneurial opportunities with very few barriers to entry. So if you have the base level education that you need to, in order to take your real estate education and pass your exam, and then you're willing to work really hard, it's a great opportunity. There's limitless in earning potential. There's tons of ability to build a, frankly, kind of a recurring business, um, you know, as you develop relationships with clients and resale, et cetera. So, um, but my first exposure was certainly in my family. I mean, I just mm-hmm. saw the power of that. And the ability to create something from nothing is something that we're we're blessed with in this country. You know, there aren't any barriers. We can do whatever we want. If you can, if the mind can uh, conceive, the the man can achieve, or the woman can achieve. So, lots and lots of opportunity there. Um, and then shortly after I finished school, I did have an opportunity to work for just some really sharp entrepreneurs that kind of fine tuned that for me. I was never a great um, employee. I always had my own ideas and I always thought that I could do things better, probably over arrogant as a young person, um, because I certainly didn't have all the answers and and didn't do it better than everybody else. But I always thought I did. And so I wanted an opportunity to prove that within my own uh, within my own career. And I also am a big believer in uh, risk reward. So I think this life is about making big bets, taking big bets and reaping big rewards. So when you start a business, just like if you start a career in real estate, there's tons of opportunity, but there's risk attached to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you've got a, nobody's writing you a check every week, uh, every two weeks, however often, and your success is really up to you. Um, so I was always intrigued by that. I was never afraid of that because uh, I always had confidence in my ability. And shortly after we started the business, the team's ability to execute and get the job done. So yeah. I think entrepreneurship is just one of the coolest things in the world. We actually had dinner last night with some um, new friends of ours who just started a, um, uh, a company of their own. And they've done everything from research. It's actually a stand-up desk company. Yeah. And they had to research all the um, production, design, um, patent, all the legal pathways to take a product from conception to market yeah. is so fascinating to me. And the tenacity and 
willpower and strength and just chutzpah it takes to do that is phenomenal. I'd actually forgotten. It's been 13 years since I did that. And I was so inspired when we had dinner last night when they were telling their story that anything we can do, I can do to inspire entrepreneurship um, in any format, I think is really, really powerful because entrepreneurs do a lot for our world and our country and ultimately our community. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, you mentioned how much real estate has changed since 2005 when the CD shop was founded. Um, I mean, how has, how have you seen it change? Like from the education side of things? Well, the education side of things, I'd like to think that we've, we've blazed our own trail, but you know, certainly don't want to toot our horn too hard there. You know, the, the time that we started was a fascinating point in 2005, we were still running super hard, um, across the country in the real estate industry. It was really, really strong. And then shortly thereafter in 07 and 08, you know, the bottom fell out to the largest recession we've ever seen. Our business grew through that because we were adding states and adding curriculum and doing all those things. But we saw a lot of turmoil in the real estate industry. And I think that was the impetus to where the broader industry really reinvented itself. So the traditional brokerage business, real estate business wasn't necessarily what the industry wanted to continue with. Mm -hmm. And that was when you saw companies, um, the big tech companies in the industry really began to flourish and take off because there had to be some economies in it. There had to be more efficiency in it. And we had to empower the consumer um, to really have control. Because you know, back in the day when my mom was um, selling real estate, when I was just a kid, I remember that Every week, a new big fat MLS book would show up. The multiple listing service book would, they printed it every week. Wow. And it would look like a big old fashioned yellow pages yeah. book. And we had some neighbors that were always curious. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of us pull up Zillow or Realtor.com yeah. or all these portals all the time just because we're curious, you know, when we're it's traveling. Fun to see how much own. a house is worth. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> want to see what our neighbors yeah. sold their house for, right? <laughs> So I remember the neighbor was always wanting to get his hands on this book. And back in those days, as a, you know, the, the data really belonged to the brokerage community. You know, the book was distributed to those subscribers, those agents that paid for it. And so it was really this proprietary piece of data. And real estate professionals or licensed um, realtors, you know, depending on the state, you have to be a realtor or you don't have to be a realtor to have access mm -hmm. to the MLS. But those that have access to the data had the data. I mean, they had the book. They literally had the book and all the information. And now I think one of the biggest things that's changed clearly is the fact that anybody and everybody has the data. Right. So it's really around how do you interpret the data? So in a world inundated with data and big data and bigger and bigger data, of which there is some kind of mechanized intelligence being derived from it. But I think the big change in the real estate industry as a whole is the fact that real estate professionals really have to fine tune their skills to learn how to interpret the data. Mm -hmm. Because you and I as consumers, we can find all kinds of homes and all kinds of information, you know, what it's sold for, price per square foot, sure. all this kind of data. But we need that professional, that trained professional who's on the ground, in the neighborhood, in the community, yeah. talking to people that can help us interpret it because real estate has been and always will be super local. Mm -hmm. It just is. Um, real estate education-wise, things have moved a lot. You know, we when we first started the business, there was very little distance learning going on. Part of that was because of the, uh, the demographic. You know, it was just a demographic that, or a socio 
demographic, whatever you want to call it, an yeah. age demographic that wasn't necessarily attuned to turning towards technology first. Um, but it was also an industry that was rather relatively antiquated. It was populated and dominated by publishing companies, big mm-hmm. publishing companies, textbook companies. And so when we started our product, we really wanted to turn that on its head and say, you know what, that we've got a mobile professional who wants to learn when and where they want to learn. And we need to take it from the cerebral kind of uh, – scholarly kind of written fashion and and hardcore rules and so forth to a more contextual learning environment to where they can really understand it. Because as an entrepreneur, you need to understand, okay, I've got a lot longer list of things than I can get done. When I'm going to go learn, I want to make sure it's contextual so I can grab that piece of information and hit the ground running. So I think we've we've done that pretty well with our CE product, and certainly that's the feedback we get with the pre-licensing product. But it's it's come a really long ways. I think it's gotten better and better and better. And you know, those of us that are pioneering will make sure it continues to get better. Absolutely. After the break, Michael talks about building community through real estate and why agents will never be replaced by robots. Food for Thought is a nonprofit that strives to eliminate weekend hunger for children in the Denver area. The CE Shop Foundation has teamed up with Food for Thought to sponsor students at Marie L. Greenwood Academy, an elementary school in Northeast Denver. To learn more or to donate to Food for Thought, visit foodforthoughtdenver.org. Yeah, so I imagine that's uh, that's kind of the new barrier to entry? I mean, you were saying like the book meant you were serious back in the day, like that you, if you had access to the MLS, you know, you were a real real estate agent. But nowadays when everyone has that data, it's more what to do with it. Right. I mean, that seems to be the new focus of the education side, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's certainly critical, you know, an agent can't succeed in today's market unless they can a understand the data, interpret it, um, themselves and then be able to communicate that through the lens of a buyer or a seller. Yeah. So all of us as human beings want to know what's in it for me and what it means. So I think the most successful real estate agents do a really good job of understanding their clients' needs, wants, and desires. What's happening in that, in that, in the life of that consumer that's prompting this transaction. And then to be able to take that massive world of data and be able to distill it down to the things that really matter to that consumer that are, gui- that are going to guide them from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and things have changed a lot. It truly used to be that, you know, the real estate professional had the book, had the MLS data, and they were a glorified tour guide. Yeah. You know, because the consumer kind of learned as they went, where now the consumer is just inundated with information. So I think the, the most important role a real estate professional can play is one of um, counselor and guide, you know, to really help them discern and also bring that local market, local market knowledge, as I mentioned before. Yeah. You know, real estate's just hyper, hyper local. So do you think the job of a real estate agent has gotten easier or harder in the last 30 years? Well, you're, you're always, always have been and always be, will be working with consumers going through major life change. You know, a, an average um, consumer moves five or six times really in their life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, consumers having babies, uh, babies leaving the nest, you know, getting married, getting divorced, major, major life change. So, the yeah. real, so a real estate professional's job has always been that kind of uh, 
guide through this major life change. I think it's gotten more challenging because it's very competitive. You know, technology is something that you have to be comfortable with and you have to be willing to work with. And you have to, as we've talked about, you have to be a good discerner of the data and interpreter of the data. And that's complicated. Mm -hmm. It's more complicated than it used to be. And we also have more data on all the properties. You know, now you you pull up a listing online and it's telling you all about the schools and the shopping and the transportation and the, and, you know, certainly in some of the tools that NAR has put together, it shows a lot of the demographics and the socioeconomic environment in the area and all kinds of layers of data. So as a real estate professional today, you could really get caught flat-footed by a consumer if you're not immersed in the data and understand what it's all about and be able to interpret it. So I think it's gotten – I think there was a day when real estate folks could work a very large geographic area. And I think now success comes in really a hyper-local market. Yeah. Growing up, my mom always called it her farm area. and She worked in a – in a 450 home farm area. It was the neighborhood we grew up in. That was the one that we walked flyers through. And I mean, we, she owned that neighborhood. Certainly you don't need to narrow your scope to 450 homes, but to have a certain geographic area to which you're really comfortable with all those local nuances. And then also know kind of what's happening. You know, you'd want to be connected enough to the community as a real estate professional to know that Oh, so-and-so's kids, their youngest child's just about to graduate from high school. You know, maybe this is the time that they're thinking about downsizing and moving to something new. So there's a lot of advantages in staying very uh, hyper-focused in a geographic area and certainly a number of clients in in the business. So I think I already know your answer, but uh, as AI gets better, what do you think of the belief that real estate agents will go the way of robots? That there won't, it won't really be a job for humans anymore. You know, it's interesting, and there's certainly a lot of capital going into those ideas, not necessarily to the robot idea, yeah. but certainly to automating and making the real estate transaction much more efficient, which I think is good. I think that's, that's good. The human element and the relationship element, I have a really hard time imagining that, you know, for someone to want to purchase from a machine or help them move through what is typically the largest asset they own. You know, many times real estate that's owned by um, people is their largest asset. It's where it's their nest egg. It's where, you know, the bulk of things sit. So to turn that over to anything other than a human being, Mm -hmm. it would be a little bit like, I think what we'd see in the financial services industry where there's certainly been a lot of automation put into stock trading and and so forth. But for most people uh, that have, you know, enough equity or enough cash or enough of a nest egg that a piece of real estate would represent, they'd probably go sit with a human being to at least counsel them on how to use the tools. Sure. Which I think uh, provides a, a relatively... Um, familiar analogy for people. So I don't know. I'm a relationship person. I think the real, the real estate industry is a relationship business. I think consumers thrive with, uh, we as human beings thrive with human interaction. So I think our world in a way has gone so far to technology and kind of isolation within technology, mm-hmm. which is an interesting paradigm because, you know, people turn to social media to quote, connect and quote, be friends with. Right. But we're hearing, we're learning that it's very isolating and the human 
spirit needs that human interaction. So I think when you come to, when you take those forces, I think success in business going forward is going to be, how can we bring that human element back into the interaction with, with people? Yeah. And when you look at a transaction, the size of a piece of real estate, um, I don't see it being totally automated. I certainly see there's increased efficiencies that could be part of the process. Uh, and we've seen a lot of that already. I mean, there's a lot of that. And there's certainly companies out there that are working really hard to try to make that happen. And I think that's good. But the actual relationship between consumer and trusted, educated, good, professional, I think will always go there. So how do you see that on the education side? Because, I mean, the CE shop, only online courses. They don't do any in-person courses. So how do you see you know, still trying to humanize something like education from a distance. That's, it's a conversation we have all the time because frankly, about 50% of those who studied to get a real estate license still do it in the classroom. Now, my question, John, is are they, what is it? And this is, this is something we're applying resources to because we want to better understand this. Why is it that they're choosing the classroom? What is it about that classroom experience that's having them choose that route as opposed to an online learning environment? Now, some people, I think they just think they're predisposed to a certain type of learning methodology. Others, I think, are, are um, subject to or influenced by a referral from someone who just, that's just the way they did it. Mm-hmm. So... What we're working on is better understanding how can we take the learning environment, the online learning environment, and infuse those characteristics that make people want to go to the classroom. In other words, how do we create something that has the very best of all the convenience of a distance learning program with all the warm, fuzzy, what the consumer wants in the classroom environment? So that's an evolution for us. I think that's an evolution for our, for our industry is to figure out not necessarily is it this online classroom kind of question like this, these two separate worlds, but what's that middle ground look like? What's that new world look like that has the best of both characteristics in it? And I think that's going to be a really fun thing to explore here. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. A lot of room for growth there. Uh, so giving back is obviously a huge part of your business philosophy uh, with the CE Shop Foundation. Um, how do you think giving back can help grow a business? I think it's foundational, frankly. I, you know, I, I pause because I don't want to sound too philosophical or theoretical about the whole thing. But I do believe as humans we have a desire to give back. You know, um, I don't have the quote handy. Um, and you won't let me use Google in the middle of our conversation <laughs> here, but there's there's a there's a great quote out there about you know we we get what we basically the richness of life comes from what we give, not from what we get, and I think that's just a, a human element. I think everybody feels good. It's a little bit like the holidays when you give a gift; it almost feels better than. Mm-hmm. oftentimes feels better than having received them. So I think it's foundational. And I do think that enterprise, business enterprise, has a responsibility to do it. You know, we started the foundation in 2014 when we had a national presence with our business. And I was always raised that to whom much is given, much is expected. And I believe that. So as leaders in our industry, I felt like we needed to give back to the communities that have taken such good care of us. 
Um, so I think it's foundational. And then anybody who wants to begin giving back, it's, there's got to be an emotional connection. There's got to be an emotional connection to make it worthwhile. You know, so for us, it was health and education and kids. And that makes sense. Probably a little self-serving. You know, I think we got to take care of these kids or who's going to take care of us, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if they're not healthy and well-educated, we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so you've already spoken on it a little bit, but how do you think real estate helps to build community? Not not necessarily a community, but like the mental, you know, the idea of community as well. Well, foundationally, you know, it's a pretty big investment for a consumer to purchase a home, right? So there's an investment there, not only of finances, but also of emotion and and life. So in neighborhoods, you know, you've got individuals and families that have chosen to plant their family in that community. Um, I think that certainly back, way back, way, way back, you know, before we all had detached garages and garage doors and fences and all these things, certainly a community was made up of where, of the people that all lived together. You know, they lived in close proximity. They had um, probably common resources, you know, and common um, gathering places. So I still think that that opportunity exists. And back to what we talked about technology and robots, you know, running the industry someday, I think that there's a longing for that. I think there's a longing, especially within a generation of, you know, Gen Wires and, and beyond that to connect as people and where you live is really important to that. We see that in many of the multi-dwelling or apartment communities that are being built. You know, they they create these community areas, barbecues outside and, you know, intentional places, games room, game rooms, places for people to convene and connect. And we're also seeing that certainly here in the Denver area, a lot of investment in uh, parks, um, small fact, Denver's one of the uh, has one of the most uh, the highest percentage of parks um, per capita than any city in the country. And I think that real estate is foundational to that. So if you and I invest in a piece of property and we're neighbors together, that automatically creates a common interest, a common bond. We have a common interest. Um, kind of funny, common interest communities, you know, that's a real estate term, but an HOA, you know, kind of an yeah. association of people that come together to live in one place. So I think it's powerful. I think it's really powerful. You know, the statistics that we see again here in our own community around home ownership is, is a little bit disturbing. You know, our prices have gotten so out of control that we're seeing the latest statistic was that only about 50% of families can afford to buy a home. Wow. You know, it's not to say that wherever they're renting a home or, you know, they can't create community as well. But I think that investment helps to kind of raise the intensity of that oh, yeah. and the interest of it. You know, speaking personally, we're just getting ready to move uh, to a new home this coming Friday. And I'm really interested in who my neighbors are. Yeah. You know, we've Naturally. made an investment in the neighborhood. We want to get to know them. We want to build community. Uh, we're not some of those people that just pull in the garage and shut the door and never talk to our neighbors. So... You know, it's all, you know, it depends on the, the people involved and so forth. But I think, I think real estate is just foundational to it. You know, real estate professionals used to go out and knock on doors and meet people and talk to them. And we're actually seeing more and more do that kind of the old fashioned way yeah. of building relationships and generating business. Hmm. All right. So this is a, uh, my last question here. If you could go back to the beginning of your career, what is one thing you would have done differently? Hmm. 
You know, this is kind of a complicated question. Com- not a complicated question, but a conflicted question because I've always lived my life with no regrets because I think that however it plays out, it's really quite perfect. And I'm grateful for that. But then there's the critical kind of perfectionist side of me that looks back and thinks, sure. darn, if I'd just done that a little differently or a yeah. little sooner or, or whatever. Probably would have taken more risk sooner. So I spent the first 10 years of my career um, working for other people and learning, which was an informal, you know, advanced degree, if you will. But I probably would have taken more risks, risks sooner um, because I had the capital available to me. Um, but I might, my regrets and things I want to do differently or would have done differently are, are very, very short. I, I can't think of anything really that jumps out besides. And this would certainly be the advice that I'd give to anybody um, listening to our conversation today is, you know, act boldly, take risk. You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. The risk-reward equation, if you have confidence in yourself, is a pretty fun one to play with. Um, I recently, uh, we did a bicycle ride in the mountains this last weekend. And I went by this woman. She was probably 20 years my senior. We're riding up Fremont Pass, which is this brutal pass. It's actually a 13-mile climb straight out of Copper Mountain. And she has these pair of socks on that says, do epic shit. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, that is so cool. I went by and I was like, I love your socks. And she said, we're doing it. We're doing it. In other words, we're doing the epic shit. Yeah. And I just, I, it's really stuck with me. I actually saw a bumper sticker um, earlier today with that on it. So I need to order some of those. But I think that's the key <laughs> is, you know, get out there and try things and stick your neck out and do bold things. And don't be afraid to trust yourself and trust the support system that you have around you and get after it. Awesome. Well, that's a great note to end on. So uh, thank you, Michael. Yeah, my pleasure. I'll come back anytime. Awesome. Thanks. That was Michael McAllister, founder and co-CEO of The CE Shop. To learn more about what Michael has built at The CE Shop, you can visit theceshop.com. You can subscribe to Shop Talk on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time as we take a deep dive into how back-to-school season affects real estate markets. Shop Talk is a production of the CE Shop.